Alright book nerds, on this episode, I'll be speaking with the writers and directors of the short film If Anything Happens, I Love You. This is a beautifully animated film that really hits the heart and everyone will love. It's not only a beautiful film, but also has a really powerful message, and I can't wait to learn more about this film from the guys that made it happen. So let's get to it. Alright book nerds, we're now speaking with the writer and directors of If Anything Happens, I Love You, Michael and Will. Thank you for joining us today, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us, we're excited to chat with you. Yeah, we're excited to be here, thanks so much. Absolutely. Well, would you please introduce yourselves and tell us a little about uh, what you each did in the film and just what it's about? Yeah, hi, I'm Michael Govier and I'm a uh, the co-writer, co-director with uh, Will McCormick here, and um, we created this film, and it's um, it's a short animated film, and it's about um, parents struggling with the loss of their daughter in a school shooting, and it's an elegy on grief. Uh, I'm Will McCormick, uh, co-writer, co-director of If Anything Happens, I Love You, and um, Michael, that feels like a good uh, description of the film. That's what it's about. So I watched the film and it was just, it was really beautiful. It was very touching. Um, it, it told a great story and I started out and, you know, I was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. And it, it definitely went in a direction I didn't expect. Um, I kind of figured like, how, you know, partway through when the mother goes into the bedroom and stuff like that, I started figuring it out. And then as it progressed, it started clicking more and more. Um, I'm curious to know what your decision was and the reason was for going in an animated direction instead of a live action direction. Yeah, it, you know, it, the, 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 the material is, um, is very grave. You know, it's a serious, serious thing we're trying to um, dramatize. So, um, Michael and I are, are big animation fans and have worked in animation before and, and love animation, although this is the first animated film we ever directed. So while we, while we both love animation and love working in animation, the truth is I think that this story is best fit for animation because it's so intense that um, live action might sort of create a barrier that doesn't let the audience embrace it, whereas animation provides the sort of right type of gateway to give the audience the type of opportunity to experience this depth of emotion. So it felt like animation was the right way into the story. And for us, really the only way into this type of tale. Any, uh, anything to add to that, Michael? Or do you think that no, summed I, it up I mean, pretty yeah. well? I absolutely <laughs> also i think this is i mean this tale needed to be told in this way I, I absolutely agree it's i think it's just too much it's you know can be too heavy if you were to actually see all these things live in a live action version i think it might you know even be potentially traumatizing and so i think having it in this way in this kind of artful gateway to to create greater conversations about grief and loss so I want to talk a little bit about the animation style because it's not like 
super realistic animation and it, it's more of you know it's still beautiful but it's more like maybe i don't know if this is the right words but it's the only thing i can think of at the set at, at this moment is it's kind of like more on the simpler side um but i love the style i love the textures um around the border you know the edge of the frame and you know the on the on the center on the clothes and everything can you talk a little bit about just the concept of how you chose to go in that direction, you know, the the texture and the, the just the general look. Yes, we worked really hard on this with our animation director, Young Ren No, and our whole philosophy was if it doesn't need to be in frame, it doesn't need to be there. So it was very simple, it was very minimalist. So, and as far as looking at the frame, things drop off on the edges and we wanted the film to kind of look like grief. So it has this feeling of grief to it as far as being kind of monochromatic at the front end. Then when we go into memory, color kind of comes in, but it only comes in in certain capacities because it's still filtered through the modern day time of grief. Like the parents are talking in the bedroom and this is still happening. And so it's, it's those kind of things, but it was very intentional as far as the design and the simpler design and, um, you know, to have a very minimalist approach to it. And we wanted to have a very unique look to it. We didn't want it to look like, you know, kind of what everything else looks like right now. So it kind of, the animation fit the story. I guess that's the short answer. Like we made the animation fit this story rather than saying, oh, this is what the animation needs to look like and we didn't force it. Yeah, we had we sort of had a cardinal rule to echo Michael, Michael that anything that didn't need to be in frame, we kept eliminating it and stripping it and stripping it. Um, A, because we liked the look of it, but B, we really wanted to capture the sort of like desolation and loneliness of grief and at this moment of time. And I also think it works really well when um, you go into the uh, memories of, of the parents remembering what life was like with their daughter because memory sort of works that way. You know, when you remember where you were, you don't remember everything that was in the room when you were there, but you remember the spirit of that moment. And so I think isolating these moments and just putting a finer point in them and just getting down to the nuts and bolts of what we really actually want to express so we can be really clear about what the audience wants to feel. We just wanted total, total simplicity. Um, and we just kept stripping and stripping. And uh, our animation director, Young Ram No, I mean, she's really, really gifted. And we were in lockstep the moment we met her. So she was really just this, uh, the, the greatest creative partner because she was able to completely understand what we were going for the moment we met her. That's awesome. No, it's, yeah. it's really great when everything just kind of comes together and just clicks and it just, you know, it's like three people working together, but with one mind and one one goal. This project is essentially that. We had so many other people come and join us. We had Marianne Garger, who's our producer, who's kind of the guardian angel who kind of helped lead this wonderful path. And then Peter Edinger, we had an editor who was amazing. He edited on Smallfoot and these other things and, and, and all these other people, you know, just fell in love with the project and basically everyone kind of showed up and say how can we help and that was kind of this blessing that we had and it was so wonderful to work with all these amazing artists that's fantastic so as i was watching the film i really loved the the dynamic kind of between the characters that you see and almost i guess like the shadow characters that you kind of don't really see um and they kind of like the two worlds that they kind of 
interact with separately. I'm curious how that process came about. Like, how did you make that decision to kind of have the parents kind of, you know, sad and like apart yet these shadowy characters kind of like almost like a secondary side character, even though it's actually still them. Well, the, well, the whole idea for this film really the, the kernel of this film was an idea that Michael had, which was, it was about these shadows and that they would sort of be these um, reservoirs of feelings that, that the, the people couldn't quite reach because they were in that, that much pain. So the, the idea was, the idea for this film really originated of that, out of that visual idea. And then of course we kept bringing in story elements and story elements, but um, Michael pitched me that idea, gosh, a couple of years ago and I just love the idea of these sort of shadow souls being these vehicles of feeling and emotion that people can't quite reach all throughout their lives, but especially in this moment because they're in a lot of pain. And that really, um, that really gave the movie its wings and that we started to build from that moment. But that idea of the shadows was the kernel of the idea for the entire film. Okay, interesting. And you just see like with these shadows, it's like you see this disconnect, like, you know, there's, you know, what's going on inside and in all of us, what is going on deep down, and then there's what's going on out in that we present. And in this huge moment, you actually get this moment to see what their souls look like, what their inner emotional life looks like, and then see how it's completely disconnected from what they're experiencing. They're, they're refusing to connect to it because it's just overwhelming. And I think the, the film has this, you know, moment of hope and moment of like uh, human resilience to show like how you're, they're willing to connect to that and kind of go through the grief and to create a greater bond with themselves and the community. And I think it's just those things are shown as a visual representation of that kind of concept. It's sort of Jungian, right? Like there's a shadow <laughs> self. <laughs> yeah, don't you think? Yeah, it's got a little, you know, yeah. But I think no matter where we are, we all have these these shadows of ourselves that we're trying to reach to become whole, you know? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And again, I, I absolutely loved, I loved the direction. I loved the style of everything about it. Um, I'm curious to, if you could, elaborate a little bit more maybe for any viewers or listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with the animation side of filmmaking because you know we always see behind the scenes of movies you know actors on set and giant cameras and green screens and we see a lot of you know a lot of people know about that and you know there's huge crews of you know hundreds of people but when it comes to animation you know you you've got studios like Pixar and people sitting at the computer and stuff but for you know, this type of animation, can you tell us a little bit about the process of just making the film? Absolutely, yes. We have a very small little team, and we just built it in you know my dining room table, Will's dining room table, and Mary Ann's dining room table. And we just would get together every week. We'd work on it, and to make it as lean as efficient as we could, Will and I worked on the script for about a year, just to make sure we had everything. We needed in all the story points because we don't have enough money to, you know, continue to animate and animate and then throw that away and then animate because it's just it's so it costs so much. So you have yeah. so every frame, every idea we had to use when we finalized it went up on that screen. Um, and then as far as like the technical 
you know, aspects of it. We, the animators use TV paint. I don't know if your listeners or viewers are familiar with that. It's an animation tool and, you know, they all did that and they'd use that. And then we'd edit in Adobe Premiere. And then it was just like, you know, piece by piece, frame by frame, just like you're, you know, you're painting and it's just, it's hand drawn. So it's like every second is 24 frames, just yep. 24 drawings, you know? And so it's just, that's a lot of drawings. I forget our final count. I think it was something like, uh, maybe like 1300 drawings, I think somewhere around there. That's a lot. That's <laughs> a lot of drawings. <laughs> so yeah, live action filmmaking is, is so visceral, right? And it's so fun and you have late night shoots and early mornings <laughs> and craft service and um, long days and you're exhausted, but there's sort of an, that's, that's also exhilarating, you know? And also tiring too. <laughs> Absolutely. Animation is a different animal, but I, I felt like we also managed to make this a really um, communal film. I mean, we got together often and we walked through every moment and Michael and I would act out moments and uh, we ate a lot of food and drank a lot of coffee. So we, we got together as much as possible and um, it felt great it's something that i miss because of coronavirus i haven't been able to see my friends and and our team and so i look forward to one day when we can all get together and and i mean michael we haven't even really well we had that one screening together but we haven't even really watched the film as a group and had dinner you know and that, i look forward to that day that's what's been so hard with this process it's like basically our film came out in march yeah and a week later the world changed and we haven't we then were supposed to you know have a huge rap party and congratulate and you know have these things the internal celebrations that we all live for to say look how hard we worked and we we accomplished this and it's been it's been uh, challenging just to kind of be locked up and you know over these kind of things but uh no i i i truly think the process with animation compared to live action like you guys were talking about it's like live action is like it's so action-packed and so condensed where this is like we got to hang out for you know a year you know in eight months working on this thing frame by frame to get 12 minutes where if this was a live action shoot that's a weekend you know yeah and it's and that's that so it's like so in, a, in one cool way we got to hang out with our friends for eight months which was kind of like, you know, Will and I both came up through theater. And so it kind of had this other kind of feeling where it's like you're with someone much longer, like you had the rehearsal process, maybe even a development process, and then you have a long run. So it had this wonderful, long uh, communal feeling. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, as I was watching it, I noticed that um, the music was just phenomenal. The, the choice of music. I'm really curious to know because the music really drives this entire film why uh like what drew you to the music choices that you chose because i know you know the the scene where the record player turns on and the song starts playing and that's kind of like where like for me it clicked i'm like oh that's what happened that kind of thing what what was the uh the decision on that well the the king that's a king princess song called 1950 when the needle drops on the record player honestly that was a, that was maybe the first cue we used right michael that was almost, you know, it was like temp music, dream music for that yeah. moment. And it had been in there the moment that was our first and only choice. And we were just hoping we could uh, use it and we were able to. Yeah, we were lucky enough to get that song, which was a big get. I mean, we're, we're just 
big fans of her music. And that song, which just was, we were really lucky. We dropped it in as temp and we ended up getting it. And that, that song also just have a, it's got a, it's a reverie. It's got, it's melodic and, and beautiful. And um, it's got a little bit of a wistful quality too, but it felt like also the kind of song that the girl would be obsessed with and listen to thousands of times, you know? Mm-hmm. And we both listen to that song thousands of times. Uh, the score in the, the film is so beautiful. It's by a composer uh, we both admire named Lindsay Marcus. And, you know, again, it was like w- when, when we met Young Renault, our animation director, we felt that same way when we met Lindsay. I mean, we got, a, we got really lucky on this film. You know, she completely understand the pathos of the film. And um, the moment she began to lay down compositions, we felt like we were in really, really good shape. So, and then of course, uh, in the uh, beautiful dreamer section where the stars go into the, the restaurant that that was done by the uh, LA children's orchestra. So we were really lucky and, you know, music was really important to us in this film because there is no dialogue. Mm-hmm. So it matters maybe more than in movies with dialogue. So oh, absolutely. something that we talked a lot about and we, uh, we were lucky we got, we have, we worked with really, really talented people. Yeah, and Chuck Dickerson is the uh, director of the Inner City Youth Orchestra, which was so wonderful, and that's who came in and, you know, composed that whole section. So it was, and all these people just kind of like showed up perfectly when they needed to. It was kind of like a very, you know, they said, you know, you need to make something in anything, you need a lot of luck. And we had luck, and it was like the moment where it's like, oh man, we need you know, we need this orchestra, we need to work with people, who can we find? And all of a sudden it just kind of appeared. And and uh, I've never been on a project like this, to be honest, where it's like things just showed up to kind of uh, help us on our way. And so it was just quite a blessing. No, that's fantastic. And again, it, it's great, like you said, there's no dialogue in it. So yeah, the, the music choice and, you know, having the sound effects and everything just is, makes it that much more important. But I think you guys, not only, uh, you know, I think you guys hit it out of the park with it. So it was just really, really just fantastic. And um, I know you said it came out in March, correct? Yes. So how has the reception been? Again, I, I watched it. I felt a wide range of emotions from sadness to, you know, happiness and just all over the place. And I'm, I can't relate to, you know, what parents like that would go through because I'm not a parent myself but I wouldn't ever want to imagine what you know that feel feels like but how has the reception the reception been so far to it it's been very good very positive very cathartic um very inclusive as far as like these discussions on grief and people sharing their stories and you know to your point it's like even if you haven't had this direct you know, story with gun violence and this this direct kind of loss, a lot of people are reflecting on the loss that they have had. You know, a lot of us have lost loved ones, lost, you know, relatives, friends, and I think there's a lot of reflection with that grief, and you can kind of feel that in this film. But we did have a screening at UTA. Um, that was our early screening in March, and it was um, every town. We invited the like, survivors from the Everytown Network and Moms Demand Action, and they had all lost loved ones to gun violence and they um, loved the film. They really appreciated the film. They said the film made them feel seen 
and kind of heard in their story. And then they came up to both Will and I, and they were gracious and sharing their stories with us. And so that's something that's been so wonderful is that these, these survivors are sharing their stories. So then their loved ones live on in us. And it's such a wonderful gift that they're giving. And, and we're so happy to be, be part of other people's stories and, and participate. Absolutely. No, I think it's, it's great that so many people can, can connect with through this film. And like you said, you know, I, as I watched it, it kind of made me reminisce on, you know, family members and pets and friends that I've had. I had a good friend in college who passed away and it, he, you know, I hadn't thought of him, you know, in a while. And as I was watching it, it his, he just popped up in my mind and, you know, I felt, it, I felt the emotions. <laughs> so, so I know that you guys have this short film in Holly shorts now, correct? Yeah. Correct. Awesome. Could you tell me a little bit about you now uh, how how that came to be and how the reception has been through Holly Shorts and what your experiences with Holly Shorts has been? It's been great. They're you know a premiere you know festival. We were so excited. We you know submitted it to it early in the year. Unfortunately, you know this strange year, everything keeps getting moved out and moved out, and and they were hoping to obviously have some kind of uh, live. Uh, component to it, which they were unfortunately not going to have this year. Um, so everything's just been moved virtually online, you know, and we've done some of these, you know, Q and A's. If you're out, go, go watch us on Holly Shorts, you'll see Will and I talking about this. And um, our film is this weekend, actually, I don't know when this is going to air, but our film is going to be screening this weekend on Saturday. And um, so far, everyone behind the scenes is very happy with the film and they're very excited about it, but it hasn't officially run yet in the festival. So we uh, can't wait to kind of see what they all say. Awesome. Uh, where can our listeners or viewers potentially see it if it, you know, if they don't get a chance to see it at Holly Shorts, is it going to be in other festivals? Is it going to be online platforms in the future? Yeah, actually, this is kind of really interesting. Uh, Netflix has decided this year to do short films. And our film was uh, selected and will be on Netflix November 20th. So you can see the film on Netflix. So everyone can see it. So please go to Netflix November 20th. If you don't see it in Holly Shorts, you got another shot to check it out. That's awesome. Congratulations on getting uh, getting your short film on Netflix. That's a that's a big accomplishment. It's pretty impressive, right? I mean, Will, Will, what do you I mean? Yeah, we we're we're excited. I mean, you know, it's 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 a huge moment for us because, you know, making a, a tiny movie like this, you know, you just hope to go to as many festivals as possible and 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 meet as many people and reach as many people with the story and, and to know that you know, we're going to be on Netflix soon and in over 200 million homes is uh, almost psychedelic to think about. You're like, oh my God, like your brain could explode. But it, it is really, really, really awesome. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. So fun to, to see it land in the world. It's been so rewarding to make this movie with, you know, Michael and, and the whole team. It's just been one of the best filmmaking experiences of my whole life. Awesome. Well, hopefully... Uh... You know, you'll be able to, uh, you know, remember this moment and think back and just be like, man, th that just means the pressure's on for the next short film, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> truly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
you guys have anything uh planned coming up soon after this short do you have another short in the works are you guys gonna be taking a break for a little bit what's uh what's the game plan we're gonna try to make a feature so we're, we're talking about a couple different things um we're, we're sort of uh, volleying a couple things back and forth right now, but uh, we hope to make a feature starting at the top of the year. And then with our company, uh, Oh Good, which made If Anything Happens, I Love You, we want to continue to make uh, animated short films that, you know, have something to say. Absolutely. Well, I wish you both the best of luck. Congratulations, not only on getting the film done, because I know how hard, you know, getting a short film done in the first place is, but getting it into Holly shorts and other festivals and getting into onto Netflix. I mean, that's a, that's a triple, uh, triple home run or slam or whatever sports metaphor you want to use. Cause I'm not very knowledgeable in sports. <laughs> it's a hat trick. Exactly. But uh, congratulations. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here at Gene book nerd. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Happy yeah, to be you. here. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. We really appreciate your time and thanks for, Thanks for some great questions. Absolutely. And also, uh, I know I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Thank you for making such a, a wonderful and beautiful short film. Thank you. Thank you. That, that means a lot. This film is one I'll remember for a long time. And if anyone has the opportunity to see it, you definitely should. That's it for this episode, and I'll see you all for the next episode of the podcast. Take care. And any parting words for our listeners before we go, Michael or Will? Hi, I'm Will McCormick, co-director and co-writer of the animated short film, If Anything Happens, I Love You. Hi, I'm Michael Govier, co-writer, co-director of the short animated film, If Anything Happens, I Love You. And you're listening to GeneBookNerd.com. <laughs>